The entire crypto ecosystem is expanding rapidly, but at the backbone of all of this is developers. So what does it take to write coding crypto and Web3 in turn leading to one of the smoothest launches in Web3 history? Well, you're about to find out. All right, everybody, this is the new normal, and I am super excited about this episode because we have we have a lot of things going on here, but we do this every single Tuesday. We break down complex crypto topics so that anybody can understand. I'm your host, Austin, a.k.a. Mac and Cheesy, and alongside me, we have Jesse, the co-founder of the Cryptoon Goons, the opener of Portals. He puts the smart in smart contracts, and alongside us we have chris aka lmnop aka george clooney aka a friend of the pod a long time first listener first time guest and we're excited here and a talented engineer and we're going to be learning all about that in today's episode but first if you do like this show, make sure to share it with somebody, like it, submit a comment, whatever you got to do, submit a poll request. It doesn't matter. It all helps. On today's episode, we're going to break down the Cryptoon Goons portal launch from a technical perspective, what it takes to build in Web3, what it's like transitioning from Web2, how you problem solve, different tools and alpha that you can get from some of the top Web3 engineers in the space so that maybe you can go ahead and build on your very own. Chris, you have listened to this podcast a number of times. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is partially how you kind of got involved with, with the incubator. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much I started, I actually know Jesse, me and Jesse used to work together. Um, and I, I, I saw Jesse was doing a podcast. He posted on his Instagram. So I reached out on Instagram, said, hey, I started listening to all these episodes, like what you're doing. And then I think it was like two days later or something. He reached out to me like, do you want to uh, do some some engineering with me? And I was like, I can't say no to that. So let's, let's do it. So the rest is sort of history. As I, they say. I love it. We were, we were looking for it's like and then 30 seconds later, Jesse was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a no brainer. We're working with Chris and our uh, we, we, we built Disney Plus and several other streaming services together. And, uh, and you know, it was just a, a treat to work with Chris. Uh, and, and we did we built some pretty awesome stuff together. So no brainer to see if we could could build some some new cool stuff in a, in a new world in Web3. And that's exactly what and that was I hadn't worked with Chris before then. And yeah, no, it's it's a it's a if if we get nothing else from this podcast, it's at least that we got we got to re-engage Chris and start working with him because um, I it's the first time that I've worked with with you. And I'm I'm lucky, lucky to say that, like, you're kind of we're we're, we're in this building unit um, and putting together cool shit. Uh, so let I guess let's rewind, right? Because Chris, you're relatively new. I mean, we're all relatively new to this Web three Web Web three space. So, like, walk us through because last week you, you helped launch one of the smoothest launches in Web three history, and I'm going to keep saying that. Shout out Koa <laughs> for giving us that marketing line in uh in the goons uh, spaces the other week. But so clearly, whatever you were able to learn and do led to 
some pretty awesome things. It wasn't like, you know, you, you can do a, ha a hello world in web three. So like, wh what has your process been getting from a web two engineer to becoming a, a web three engineer? Yeah. So I think even before that, I'll just give some background of like what my web two experience has been. So like I, I've been, I guess, a web two developer since like 2015. Uh, so is that seven years almost at this point? Um, I just started doing web three, I think in January was when I like, or like late December is when like I really started getting into it. Um, and since then, I, granted, I had a lot of help, right? Because the incubator was like, hey, do you want to work for us? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, there's, there's pressure there of like, you know, we have deadlines that have to be met. So sort of my process has definitely been, you know, it's every day before work, just learning everything I possibly can about Web3 stuff. And then, you know, on those, when there are deadlines to be met, sort of, you know, after work as well. Like I do have a full-time job in between like those two other things going on uh, in between this learning. So um, yeah, it's definitely just digging down. And obviously I've had Jesse help me out a ton of like, hey, this is what smart contracts are. Um, also a lot of YouTube as well. So definitely external resources. And so from a juggling perspective, I guess let's just dive into that, right? You're a web two engineer and you were able to figure out ways to learn uh, and you're a, you're a morning guy. Like, so how did you, how did you find time in your busy schedule to learn this, this complex topic? Yeah. So I'm very much, I think we've talked about this before, Austin. I'm very much, I think it's called the miracle morning. It's a book by Hal and Elrond. I think I might be getting the last name wrong, but if you just look up the miracle morning, um, I don't know, it's just a book that just says start doing stuff pretty much like you wake up you sort of spend an hour of your day doing sort of like what you like you're supposed to do six things i think it's like exercising reading uh journaling i'm forgetting the other ones today. i, I, I mean, could i could pick things. it up from there exercises yeah, there journaling uh visualization uh like meditation scribing that's journaling that's the same thing I guess I can't pick it up. Clearly, I'm not doing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> We're clearly slacking on this. But yeah, so I would wake up just early. So like usually I wake up at like 6.15, get that hour in, and then I don't start like my first, like real work until like 10. Um, so I have like the, a good chunk of time to actually just dig into stuff. And those are like, for me, my, the best hours of when I work. Um, so like those are my most focused hours. So I, I like sort of selfishly spend them on myself. I love that. There's nothing better than waking up and seeing Chris like bing, bang, boom, like six different PRs or whatever the hell it is. Um, so Jesse, when, when Chris was kind of learning the ropes, like what, what type of things were like some of his skill sets where you kind of knew that he was picking it up quickly so that maybe some, some listeners, right. When they're like, they're trying to learn, like what type of questions was Chris asking or what was he doing that kind of made him, pick it up quicker i know we just touched on kind of setting setting these early schedule things but you kind of as like the teacher in a sense like what what was he doing that kind of shows you okay this, this he's learning it quickly um he's in the right direction yeah i'd say um the biggest thing was that when we sat down to have our like so i have like a whole playbook of like nfts and web3 and, and and like like solidity and, and a bunch of different things and i i just handed that off to chris and then like we set up some time later on and 
and when we we met like he came with like he didn't come just like waiting for me to tell him more stuff like he came with tons of questions he had already gone out and watched the youtube videos read some stuff like he had done the work so that when he had the time to come in and hang and meet with me like he already had some of the intro stuff and was able to then work through some of the tougher parts of the questions right and so i think that's kind of important is when you're you're learning from someone do a little bit of that prep work try to get the like the low-hanging stuff that you can pick up on your own quickly um that you don't necessarily need a, a teacher for um and then you get kind of the most out of your time when you do have the the, the time with someone who can teach you um you know so i thought that was uh i thought that was yeah really smart because a lot of those lower hanging fruit you can figure out through yeah, googling just, yeah and even it, it doesn't even have to be like all the understanding right it's just terminology like words you know um and just having some of the yeah i think start when you're learning something new learning terminology is actually a really great starting point uh, just looking up words and what they mean so that when the ter person who's teaching it is saying some of those words. They don't have to spend each time breaking down each word individually because then that just takes up a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. it, making yeah. it efficient. Yeah, I think I stumbled on specifically around like terminology. I think I stumbled on the word transaction for like what felt like a month. I was like, whenever the thing gets <laughs> con confirmed on the blockchain, like I didn't, I, I didn't know there was a word for that. <laughs> like it's the thing, it's a transaction. Oh. Yeah. So, so once you figured out what the transaction was, okay, then it's time to build the portal. But let, let, so let's fast forward, right? Because I think a lot of people are interested in the Goons portal and a lot of the technical things that went into that. Um, Chris, do you want to kind of dive into maybe just the the high level, like how we started and some of the some of the key decisions that have to be made when you're when you're building out a in depth Web three project. Yeah. Uh, so first things first is sort of like you need like requirements. So like we were able to work with the goons team to actually say like, oh, actually, it's more of like the goons team it came to us and said, hey, we want to do this. And it ended up being like this wrapped NFT type project. Um, so that was very good. You know, the client, like they knew what they wanted, which is great because sometimes, you know, clients, they don't know what they want. And that, that's sort of a conversation that has to go back and forth. We were lucky enough where goons said, hey, we want this. Um, from there, it's sort of like, okay, map up some like story mapping, which would be like sort of, hey, what does the smart contract look like? How does the front end look like? Uh, maybe get some rough like wires, wire drafts, wireframes going on. Um, after that, it's sort of just since we're sort of like very much in the startup mentality, sort of off to the races, as long as like everyone's roughly on the same page, you start building immediately after that. Um, I come from corporate life where that is not how things work. It is very much like to change the color of something on a website. You know, <laughs> it has to go through seven departments to actually, you know, get signed off and approved and deployed. This was very much not that. This is very much, okay, we have enough to go off of. Let's go with it. Because um, I don't, we built, I don't know, I forget. You guys remember how long we had to actually build this? Was it two months? Two or three months, something like that. But we didn't have like you said, all the requirements until. <laughs> yeah, this is very much a, uh, yeah, I'd like say a, a month, a month yeah. and a half, two months. I'd say like the last month and a half was when probably 90% of this thing, maybe even 95% of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the like 
fundamental learning of uh like foundational pieces were done in the early going um and but you know in the background i'm so i'm playing software engineer but also i'm playing product manager right and so i'm working with my design team um which is reed uh gilligan over at the at the at the um crypto goons and then sean our our creative director our artist um i'm working with the two of them to develop the design the look and feel the you know and sean's actually working on the actual art itself and so that is a that's a that was a process right we we the three of us had never haven't never actually collaborated together like that and so it took us some time to get get some rhythm going and get some really be able to stack wins together and and so meanwhile the rest of the, the my engineering team it, it they're actually starting to build like chris said they're, they're chris and austin are building with the rough idea of how it might look but like we don't have that in place yet and so there's you know in corporate world you generally you wait for for the product portion of it to finish uh for the most part you know and so that you build iteratively you build what product is already kind of completed and handed off whereas this case it wasn't quite as uh uh <laughs> iterative like that yeah it was, yeah, it was, that was, it was it's uh, very much like uh Go like building the flight as you're as you're flying it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like here's the wing. Oh wait, that's not the wing. Here's the engine. That's not the engine. Um, and yeah, Chris, going back to your point about like how you have to move rapidly. I think by the end where you're like Austin, should I get a premium account? I was just like, you have the. Don't even ask me. Like like the fact of you asking me is is taking time that we do not have. Like just just rip it. Like it's not even worth like the conversation. Yep. Yeah. That goes back to the the approval type thing. Of, you know, it's got to be signed off. <laughs> so, uh... you, you have approval. So now I so. Yeah. We're we're starting right, and we're we're building. What what was just some real insight here? Like, what were one of the hardest er challenges early on um, from just like fi figuring out? Because I know there was a couple of blockers. What what were some of the the bigger challenges in the beginning from a technical perspective? Yeah, so I think one of the things we definitely struggled with was sort of showing users NFTs sort of like in real time. Um, so example, like since this is sort of like a wrapped NFT project, sort of like there's a few different like transfers of NFTs that happen. So like you sort of have to be able to update the user's wallet of like, hey, this is your current state of NFTs at this exact moment. And this exact moment is different than a second ago. We needed like real time NFT wallet data. Um, that was actually harder to get than I thought it would be. Um, so we did spend some time looking into a service called, um, uh, we, we were trying to use Morales API to get that data, but there's a bit of a delay. There's like a 15 second delay. So like that data from that API is 15 seconds stale essentially. So, you know, it'd be a really crappy portal experience if you transferred your NFT and then, or you sit your goon through the portal and then 15 seconds later, you see your new goon. Like that's not, well, that's not the experience we wanted. So. Uh, it took some finessing to actually show the like the, the real time wallet data. Uh, we ended up using Morales again. So like yeah, Morales what was, what was, was that? Yeah, yeah. So what what so the so the API was slow, uh, and from a user's perspective, yeah, you enter the portal, 
it says it's complete. And then you're looking around. It's like the meme where you're just like, what's going on here? John Travolta. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where where is it? So so what was the solution? Yeah. So actually, we didn't use Morales at all for this. um, For this part, at least. We ended up just in the smart contract. Uh, We were lucky enough that the OG contract had sort of a function that gave the users their NFT. So you put in a wallet address, it'll return the token IDs that 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 user owns. Um, And we were lucky enough that we hadn't deployed the new smart contract. So we could also add that function on the new smart contract, the portal contract. Uh, So now we're able to get both of that real-time data immediately. So sort of took, you know, at the cost of, you know, tracking that stuff costs a little gas when we deploy it. so it's sort of like at the cost of gas, we end up, we're able to go ahead and get that those functionalities in. But one call out there is it uh, it costs us as a team gas to deploy it. Um, but these are, this is code that actually does, the user doesn't, isn't impacted on. And that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a key thing when developing these smart contracts is I'm always willing to add things that cost me, the company, you know, the builder money uh, in terms of gas. But and whenever the user has to pay for the gas, you you really you you ask yourself, do we really need to do this? Because we're trying to keep that cost as absolutely low as possible. Because, um, yeah, we don't want the user to have to pay too much. Um, we want to encourage more people to enjoy the experience. And having a cost of entry is always a barrier. Mm-hmm. Now that was not one of the problems. Now, what were the so somebody who's like curious, maybe without giving to or whatever, give as much information as you want. But like, what were some of the technology stacks that was needed for something like the goons portal to, to come to life? Yeah. So sort of like for those who aren't familiar with like the goons portal, we sort of have like this page that shows like all the recent transfers. Um, in order to do that, we sort of use like Morales in order to actually like literally listening to contract events. So we use Morales a bunch during this sort of like during the portal. Um, for front end stuff, we use like React, uh, JavaScript, you know, uh, Bootstrap. Uh, Austin was a Bootstrap ninja during this. I'm, I'm a boot, Bootstrap maxi myself. Yeah, yeah. In order to actually communicate from the front end to the blockchain, we used Ether's JS. Um, and then also obviously our smart contract was deployed, you know, Solidity. Um, and then we did have a bunch of like peripheral stuff that like, I didn't even think I didn't know about any of this stuff before we actually like started digging into the portal. For example, like in order to actually like serve the images really quickly, um, we ended up using something called image kit, which is like a image optimizer. Um, so like the images live on IPFS and like the OG goon images are absolutely massive. They're like 10 megabytes in size. And even the portal viewing images are like one megabyte in size. So like, you know, you can't just serve a user a hundred megs of like their goons. That would take forever for them to load that page. So we have to, you know, we use this service in order to actually serve like much smaller sizes of images. Um, yeah. A lot going on and a lot of decisions that had to be made. And what was, what were some of the the more fun things um, from your side, from from the building, bu- building it all out, if any, were fun. <laughs> no, it's all fun. It's all fun. I would say, to me, what's always interesting is sort of how the front end interacts with the back end. 
so for me, digging into like the Ethers JS stuff is always fun. And also this, we got bit by this quite a bit, but there's like a, a limit on the amount of interactions the front end can have with the back end. Otherwise, if you send too many requests, essentially you get like rate limited. Um, so like figuring that out was actually pretty fun if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. Should we give insight into that solution or maybe we keep that? <laughs> this is a hack well, and a half. Well, just talk a little bit more in detail, like what specifically that problem was when you said backend, like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So in order to sort of uh, get like the metadata of the actual NFT, wait, hold on. Is it the metadata? Ba -ba -ba -ba. It's been a week. I'm already forgetting this stuff. Uh, <laughs> the metadata server, yeah, or just the reads from. Yeah, sorry. It's the, the yeah. Okay, it was the metadata server. Yeah. So in order for our metadata server, essentially, you don't want to expose metadata that hasn't been minted yet. So if you've never sent your goon through the portal, you sh we should not be able to see that metadata at all. Um, so the way that the backend does handles that is it will actually query the way that the metadata server handles that is it will query the blockchain to say, hey. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get the metadata for token ID, let's say one. Uh, it will go to the smart contract, the portal cart smart contract, and say, "Hey, has has this been minted?" Uh, and if it hasn't, it will the metadata server will just return nothing because we we don't want to display that metadata. Um, so essentially, we weren't sure of the load that people were going to be hitting this metadata server with, um, and there's a limit to the amount of times you can query the blockchain in a short amount of time. Uh, and if you go above that limit, that's called you get rate limited, which means your requests just stop working, essentially. Um, so we did some sort of hacky. I don't, I don't know if they're hacky. Um, we did add some caching. So like some quote unquote in memory caching. So that way we're not always reaching out to the blockchain if something was minted, which was fine. But we also ended up doing some, I don't know, some, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like some weird looping thing with different API keys. Uh, we use this API key once. We were every smart. Three times. We, yeah, we were smart. Yeah. <laughs> this might be too in depth. So. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the call-outs too is like this: if you were building this metadata server, so this is to do instant reveals of our NFTs. We want to be able to reveal the NFT instantly, but without revealing all the ones that haven't been minted yet. And so, there are much better, more scalable ways to build a system like this using like a more file-based system or, you know, there are other ways to do it. Um, but we were just trying to move as quickly as possible. And this felt like the fastest way to spin something up without, since we weren't already set up in like an uh, uh, Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud, um, where you might be, have more tools to kind of do some of that. Um, yeah, we made some of these short, you know, kind of short, shortcut decisions, because we knew that the community, you know, the scale of which the, the actual load we expected, you know, it's limited, because we knew you have to own a goon to participate. So that means there's only 3,900 holders. And then, you know, probably 25% max are, are, are showing up literally right at, at the opening fire of the gate, um, which is about, I think, what we saw um, right off the bat was around 25% or less, um, right in the beginning, obviously we've gotten more out of that, uh, since then, but, um, you know, you, 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 you're always looking to make these, where can you cut corners because you know, these certain, um, details about how things will go because, 
you know, you're trying to build as quickly as possible. And the things you can do a little bit more manually, a little bit more, um, I don't want to say hacky, but like, you know, shorter term thinking because you're trying to get product out quickly. And this is, this is the, the trade-offs you make in a startup. You know, you're trying to do things that uh, you can get to market as fast as possible. Figure it out. You just, you figure it out. And now, yeah. so we're, so this, the last, what was it? Probably the last month where we're just, we're having, we're having design meetings. We're having, um, we're, we're, we're figuring out what, what we want to do. And like, we're figuring out the past portal. We're figuring out mobile design before it doesn't, it doesn't even exist yet. The mobile design. And we, we just have to figure it out. I forget how many times I was like, Jesse, I'm doing an image carousel. Jesse, I'm doing an image carousel. But meanwhile, Jesse was like super busy. I'm like, Jesse, I'm, I'm building it out. I don't, <laughs> I don't need you. We're building. This is, this is the solution. We don't have it. This is the solution. We're doing it. And then it's like, Oh, that looks good. Well, let's do that. I was like, all right, beautiful. It's built. The PR is open. Like, it's like, it's, it's this fun time where you're you don't have time to overthink it you just and it's it's a it's kind of it's kind of nice where you you're just like building 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 and you feel this this freedom and this um this end date to actually get something delivered yeah no it's great and and the fun part of working in a, in, in a startup culture like this is everyone wears all the hats right and so if you if you have to make a design decision because that's just uh, the capacity of the team at the time, like you you just make it and you learn, you know, and you grow those skills um, and you learn those skills to be able to make those decisions. And then obviously we do go through a big refinement period at the end to really fine tune all that. Um, but yeah, I, everyone wears every hat. And so um, it's, it's mm -hmm. all, all systems go. And w one thing to touch on before kind of getting into launch day and the things that we use there um the before you get to the because part of this build was also revamping the entire goons portal website like the the landing page the marketing website and this was a, a learning process for i think all of us but we leveraged a tool called webflow and i think everyone who's listening to this if they spend some time learning or put some time towards it it's a lot less daunting than that of traditional programming but for sure, this application and this tool allowed us to build quickly um, and to actually deliver on time. And it was it was a way for us to kind of expand our capacity without spending a ton of time on building it actually pixel perfect before we we even knew what it was, what what the actual marketing page was. Yeah, hundred percent. Webflow is a really really awesome tool. Um, it lets people who aren't coders become coders in a way. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a really flexible UI tool. Um, and so that so, yeah, it was great, great to use that. And especially because we iterated through that design and look so many times, mm -hmm. uh, we would have thrown away a lot of work if, uh, would, if we had done it in full code. Would have made my brain explode if i i would have been like oh my uh for everyone listening do not use images as backgrounds of divs uh but so with that right we build the webflow we build the react app it's looking smooth now comes time to break it 
and we have the breaker of apps in the building. We have the the finder of bugs. <laughs> we have the man, the myth himself. We have Piston, aka Chris, in the building. This is a first time mid episode entrance. This is exciting. Piston, Chris, we got the two Chris's on the building. Piston, your Piston, LMNOP, your LMNOP. What is going on, Piston? What is going on? It's it's awesome to finally finally be on the show. I'm used to used to always be in the audience. <laughs> I I love it. No, so we're so we were just chatting about just to give you some context. Um, we before this we were like, how do we get Piston on this to talk about breaking it? Um, right. and so we were just chatting about the whole design flow and how we kind of got the product to where it was to um to the QA portion. And so Chris, do you want to kind of touch on like I guess kind of your experience right like what your role was and how people listening can see like really understand your background and kind of the different types of value people can have when delivering a web3 technical solution and 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 what is qa yeah what what is it yeah i mean so when i've you know first got into it my approach to it was basically just going into it as a user not thinking about the code at all and think about all the different things that a user might do that could potentially cause something to go wrong. So, you know, I was clicking out of things, doing a bunch of things that, you know, normally a person, you know, would think wouldn't do, but y- you never know. Like there's always something that can go wrong when you've got hundreds of people using this. And so, you know, I, I went through all those different scenarios and that's kind of how I found, you know, a, a variety of different different things that that were able to happen based on you know different different things that you could click here and there if you exit out of something if you switched your wallet and uh, from my background as like a quality engineer in the automotive industry that's kind of what I guess taught me to to think like that because in the automotive industry like you have to be really strict when it when it comes to to quality and look at all these minor little things that you would think nobody's ever going to notice this. Um, and so that really is what gave me the, the mindset to, I guess, be a, a quality tester when it comes to a Web3 site. It was so funny. Uh, Piston was like, am I being like annoying? And I was like, I don't think the word annoying in QA exists like that, like that. You, you are by design, like the more annoying, the better. Yeah, yeah, like that's what I figured, but like you know, I just I didn't want to be like a, a coming in here like this is the first project I worked on with you guys and just be a dick and like, be like this, you know, is this, sucks, right? this, sucks. <laughs> this is a piece of shit. This sucks. This is a piece of shit. Clean this up. Like, right. Well, I I think that that might matter and and annoy someone if like they're defensive or they like you know they're worried about like how it how it looks on the work that they've done right but i think in a quality team right everyone wants to be the best they can be and and it just cares about the end product being the best that it can be and so i think that's just a testament to all of us here i i think we're always open to receiving that feedback and and want to get pummeled with with how it's not working because the end product is what matters not our individual accolades I think that's a great point, Jesse, because like, I don't think once, like literally not once was it like, oh, here's a problem. Like who, who wrote that? Like who, like, why is that a problem? It was, it was always like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> like, like Chris, do you, do you have any idea how to fix that? Like Austin, do you have any idea? I don't know how to fix that. Like, let's, let's figure it out. Like, because it's when, yeah, when you have a bunch of people that are just, 
literally trying to get the best product possible. That's all that matters. It doesn't, it's like, yeah, figuring out blame is, is just a waste of time. Um, and it's, yeah, it's better just to focus on how we, how do we improve it and, and, and fix it and get it better. And like, I, even I, I was like working on adding a feature today and I'm like, ah, oh, why did Austin do it this way? And then I'm like, ah, oh, I actually totally understand why he did it. You know, even if it wasn't like the perfect way. And I think you just, you owe, when you're writing code, you always have, and working in a team, you always have to be like, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes of why they may have written something a certain way, because there's usually context there that you're missing or not fully grasping. And so being kind of like finger pointing with code is, is definitely a tempting uh, thing to do, but there's usually good reasons, especially when you're working with smart people. I'm wondering what the code was. I'm like, oh no, what, what, what was what did what did I botch? That's global CSS. Yeah, you son of a. <laughs> no, the global CSS. Those are like the ones where like you're writing it, and like as I'm writing it, like I'm like, this is just like like I'm I know this isn't it. Like you you spend like the yeah. two minutes trying to figure it out, not global, and then you're like, all right, let's keep it moving. But uh, so P piston, I guess from your side, right? Um, what I know you had from the automotive industry, right? You had this background, but like, if anybody were to say that, like, oh, that'll translate to Web three, that kind of is a little far out, right? Like, but what did you see, like, your experience before this, right? That maybe, maybe some of those Web three skills that you did have that I think anybody listening can potentially pick up, um, and then have them as like a because. You had to know about Web3 to actually yeah. do this, right? You can't just click buttons. And so, like, what type of base Web3 skill sets did you have? How did you get them? And, like, how could people listening kind of pick that up? Yeah. I mean, just if you've been in, you know, Web3 and NFTs for a while, just degening around like that right there brings a lot of skills. So, um, yeah, just some examples is just, like, I mean, even being able to switch onto like the the Ring B te test network and switch in between wallets. Um, I mean, knowing how to to mint an NFT, the different different things that can go wrong when it comes to like gas fees or when it comes to minting multiple NFTs, um, setting your gas, uh, disconnecting wallets, all, all the different things like that. Like if you've done that from you know minting NFTs over the past three months, six months, however long you've been in the space, like, you know how to work MetaMask, like that right there is like skills that, I mean, not everybody has, obviously, because the, the space is so new. And we, you know, you had to, sorry, go ahead, Jess. Well, I was gonna say, I hear an overriding theme there, wallets. Can you, can you talk about how <laughs> wallet, like testing wallets, and, and, you know, there are a lot of wallets out there, like, like, how did you kind of systematically uh, ensure that that each different way a different user might be using our application would work. Yeah. So, I mean, I was set up with both like a whale wallet and a non-whale wallet. So that right there, um, you know, it was one way that I tested to see, you know, if there was a difference, if I had more goons in there, I would to test if, you know, a lot of people only have one goon versus having multiple goons. So I would test, Hey, what happens if I go and send three goons through, but then like exit out of it halfway in between and then try and hurry up and send like just a single goon through and see if anything, you know, wrong happens. Um, so just different things like that. Um, and then also like being able to know how to work on mobile, like MetaMask mobile versus MetaMask on, you know, my browser. 
um, all the different various things that that could go wrong, you know, between the the two interfaces is just really trying different different things out. Yeah, and Chris, I know you 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 had a uh, other Chris LMNOP. I, th- I know you were you were testing out lots of different wallets. Can you talk about your just experience with you? I know you were contributing there too, talking about some of the differences between like the Coinbase wallet versus the MetaMask wallet and some of the stuff you've ran into there. Yeah, so. Most wallets work sort of once you get one working, they will work like okay across other wallets. Every now and then you run into some like other some issues. I know we did run into an issue with it wasn't Coinbase wallet specifically. We did run into an issue on Coinbase mobile though, with the when you send a goon through the portal, like a video would play to show you sort of like going into or out of the portal. Um, Coinbase mobile just does not autoplay videos. Uh, so it just wouldn't pop up. It would just freeze every time. It looked like a really crappy experience. Um, so I think we decided to just, I believe it was ditch the video on just we Coinbase ditched, Mobile. We, we ditched it. I, I, I tried yeah. very briefly to do it, and I was like, we're not doing it. We're, doing, we're, we're skipping yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so minor things like that where you're like, this should work across. I guess that's more of a browser issue. This should work multiple wallets, multiple browsers, but you know, that one platform now has a different feature set than the rest that it's, you know, sort of a lesser experience. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it's tremendous. Like there's so many device and the devices too, right? We, uh, we had Piston has the Android phone over there. He's trying that out and Android has a different experience than iOS, you know, uh, iPhone. Um, and so you have to do all the cross dimensions of four different wallets, three different platforms, <laughs> uh, got to try the hardware wallet. Like there is so many ways to try and use the app. And, and, and even then we didn't try all the ways on mint on the actual launch day itself. We found users using VPNs and, uh, super secure, like maybe government, <laughs> uh, <laughs> laptops, you know, and like, you know, things that you just don't expect to break things will do. Um, and so it's, um, yeah, it's a war zone when you're trying to make sure that every way the users are going to use your app, uh, you've experienced it already. You've practiced basically. All of this, all of this testing, we, the amount of testing we did was just, it, you get to launch day and it's, it's this weird feeling where, you know how much you prepared. It's like when you study a ton for a test and you feel prepared, but you you know that the professor gives hard tests. Like you you know that he's gonna throw a curveball. Like he, he they they talk about him all the time that he throws curveballs. Question five. So it's like you feel as prepared as you can feel, but you can't prepare for everything. Um, Chris or Element OP, do you want to touch on how we prepared for launch day? Right, we did all this QA test, but come the and I, we've gone through a number of launches like walk us through maybe some of our process that some other dev teams might be able to learn from and maybe maybe some of the tooling that allowed us to have i'm going to say it maybe for the fourth time this episode the smoothest launch in web3 history <laughs> yeah so even there's a lot of prep for launch day it's not you just show up at the launch time and deploy the contract and hope everything works. And then you deploy your website and hope everything works. There's definitely not that. Um, What we try to do is at least on launch day, we want that to just be an absolutely brain dead day where you're not doing anything except a checklist. Um, So what we do is actually, I believe we launched the portal on a 
Thursday. So we started prepping, I think it was the Saturday before. So that's when we came up with sort of just our checklist of things that we needed to do. Um, and it's, it's literally line by line. If you have a code, like command to run on your terminal to like do something to deploy your smart contract, that command needs to be in this checklist. So that way on launch day, you're not fuddling around trying to find like this, the right things, the right steps to do. It's just all there and you're just copying and pasting. Um, so that's the first thing is major, 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 major preparation in order to actually, you know, just execute things. Uh, the second thing that sort of happens is that like usually we have to add monitoring so that we actually know what is happening with our app, right? You don't just deploy stuff and just be like, I really hope the users are having a good experience. <laughs> I really hope things are going good. That's not how things work. You need to be proactive about these things. Um, so we, we added some tools, one that I, I've used, but not as in depth until I, this project was Sentry. Uh, so we integrated Sentry into our front end alerting stuff. So like if the user experienced an error, we automatically sent it to uh, something that we could look at and deep look at remotely. Um, so we were able to fix quite a few issues just by using that. Uh, we also, for front end monitoring, we also used Google Analytics so we can get like the amount of users on a page, what browsers they're using, what uh, devices they're on, things like that. Um, I know for our metadata server, we also have monitoring. That's on, we deployed that to Heroku. So Heroku has sort of built in monitoring there for that. So we can get memory usage, CPU usage, um, the amount of requests per second, um, also like the breakdown of response code. So like if you're getting a bunch of 500s, you know something's wrong and you can, not just hope things are going right. You know things are going right or wrong. Um, so that's a big step that like we call it like observability and monitoring that hopefully dev teams are doing, I hope. <laughs> um, and then the last key to this, so once you have sort of your checklist in place, all your monitoring in place, you need a timeline of when you're actually going to deploy stuff out. Um, so the idea is that usually what we do is sort of like, the day before we'll start to deploy the smart contract out. We'll start to get the website in place. Everything's production ready. And then ideally when launch time actually comes, all we have to do is just click a few buttons to actually fully enable things. Um, and again, that launch day should just be brain dead. You're just ideally looking at your monitoring, looking for issues and that, that should be like, that's what leads to a smooth launch. It's very much not just let's deploy it and hope it works. It's very much a, you practice, 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 make the checklists, get the reps in, and hopefully you can get have a smooth launch. I love that breakdown. Whoever's listening and like, <laughs> like that, that is like a, a infinite knowledge right there in terms of like draw, like just from tools, like the amount of words that I feel like if you were trying to launch a, a dev team and trying to make a web three agency, just listen to this episode. <laughs> like, it's a, like, that's a new normal highlight right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. that, was, uh, clipping, <laughs> that was beautiful. I, so it's, it's this launch day and we're, we're behind the scenes. Like we're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. We start seeing people enter in the portal and Chris Piston, do you want to walk through like your experience like enter in the portal? Like, were you trying to break it? Like what were, like when you were actually doing it, like what were your thoughts uh, once we were, once we were alive? Uh, so no, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to break it once we were alive. I, uh, I wanted it to go smoothly and just 
you know, <laughs> nothing went wrong. So I actually, I was like, I was F five in the page, like trying to refresh it over and over. And I, and I think I like what I got on the page, like a few seconds maybe before 10 AM. And I think you had a timer set for like 10 AM when it would go live. And I tried minting it like literally a few seconds before it hit 10 and I actually did fail. <laughs> but um, after that, like everything went smoothly. <laughs> Lost 20 bucks, though. <laughs> That's amazing. That's but hilarious. it was it was all it, it, it worked as if yeah, as if no, it, was it was it was me. Yeah. Uh, it was it was my fault for uh, trying trying to sneak in there too early. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I actually wanted to add in um, to some of the day of processes. Um, so what's really important for executing well on day of um, we didn't actually need these as much as we thought we would. But making sure everyone um, everyone knows their responsibilities uh, on day of, because if everyone's trying to do all the same stuff, you're going to miss things or, you know, you're kind of step on each other. And so the way we set it up is we had ticketing in our discord and, and, and me and the community managers and mods were, were helping funnel funnel problems and issues that people were, were, were putting out into the discord, into those tickets. And then we also had someone monitoring social media to make sure anyone's complaining about issues um, in our tweets or just in searches so that we want to make sure anything that's going wrong, we're funneling it into um, kind of our, our channel. And then we have actually in our Slack channel, we have a, we were, anytime we have an issue, we're creating a new thread in the Slack channel. So we want to keep communication really tight. We don't want long ongoing conversations about issues kind of all merging into each other. So each, each issue needs to be separated and segmented so that we can kind of address them and close them out one by one. And then obviously we're on a, we're on a, on a video call all together, um, you know, coordinating and, and, and stepping through it. And so, and then I had, you had, um, element OP here and, and Mac and cheesy there. They're both monitoring century, looking for errors coming in and getting ahead of like, Oh, someone opened a ticket. Oh yeah. We already saw that error. Um, and then we're able to actually, get the right information from the user, their, their wallet address, their device, all that stuff. And they're able to go match it to an error we see in our Sentry system um, and able to kind of quickly triage uh, the issue. It actually was amazing. We literally had the information in Sentry to understand what the user was experiencing, had them test something really quick. Mm -hmm. And then it was just very clear that they need to switch devices. The device they were using was not going to have access to to a certain resource that was necessary. And it's just so having all that well organized, it just makes it so much less more less stressful when things do go wrong. And so you got to put in that work the day before, the week before to make the day of just smooth sailing. And once you have the this ticketing system, right? Users know where to go and by them knowing where to go, they're not like Fudding the Discord or whatever it is, like mine's not working. Mine, well, it's like, well, okay, go here, and then you'll have one-on-one -on -one people helping you with your your issue. And when you have confidence in the tooling, you can ask the right questions. And now, when you're asking the right questions, the users gain confidence in the team, and then they're like, "Wait a second, what did I do wrong? Oh, I'm working on a government laptop in the Pentagon. Like, <laughs> like maybe that, maybe that is the problem. Like, like maybe it's not the app." But so yeah, uh, and and the ticketing app, like ticketing, is really helpful too because it's not just one on one, right? You have redundancy, so multiple people from the team can see what's going on in those tickets. And so we have two people managing communication, but we have other people are able to read 
and see what's happening so that they can use the information to go debug. And I don't have to be like a messenger where I'm talking to someone directly and then I have to like pass that info. You know, it's, it creates some streamlining um, and redundancy so that um, as someone clocks out for the day, uh, someone can take over, you know, it just, it makes it all a lot smoother. So the launch goes well. And what, what's that like? Like what, what's, what does it feel like? And I think probably each one, like, cause all of us had a part in this, right? Different roles. Like, so Chris, LMNOP starting with you. What, what was that like to kind of, to see the goon gang just loving it and like just being so excited about this, this product that we were able to put together? Yeah, so one thing that was out of that first hour of going live, it was like, okay, this is not, not, not too many issues are coming in, so let's start. Usually I try to avoid discords on launch day, <laughs> just because, you know, there's a lot going on, like, you know. This case, it was going relatively smooth, so I decided to pop into the Goon Discord, and it was just hundreds of messages of people, like, sending their Goon through the portal, and, like, I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of awesome. Like, like, I don't think it dawned on me until, like, that moment of, like, well, like people actually like really enjoy this stuff and are super passionate about it. Um, that and my Twitter was just blowing up with just nonstop goon, 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 goon. Like it was that it made me energetic and it made me also realize that like you know the last like you know you build this thing in a little tiny bubble and you don't really know what the reaction's gonna be. We could have deployed this and everyone was like this was garbage. We don't know. Like we, right, we had like what ten people at most work on this, so it's a very small little bubble. To see other people enjoy it and like, I, you know, you see people videoing that video that you've worked to put into that app, and then you know, revealing their goon, and it's like, okay, this is all worth it. <laughs> this this ended up working. It was yeah, damn no, fun. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great summary there i agree like normally i'm trying to avoid enjoying like being too much of a fan you know because you want to be on your a game in terms of you're you're running the show you know you're, you're producing a show basically here um and you're playing ops and you want to really be on your a game but um yeah luckily this was actually literally my smoothest launch i think i've ever been a part of like i'm not even kidding like um it certainly helps not not having to do a massive million person kind of experiencing the, the app uh, level of scale. But I mean, yeah, it was amazing. And so, uh, yeah, it was great to be able to actually go in there and, and experience the community, just really, really enjoying it and appreciating all the hard work that each and every one of us and all the other people who contributed really put into this. Um, you know, it was amazing and definitely huge, huge thanks from me to every single person on, on the whole team who put in the, put in the work and put in the time and effort and, and made this thing really super polished and just super fun. I couldn't agree more. It, it's like, I, I, well, if you've seen the the notion page that I put together of screenshots of people's uh, testaments for, for our marketing, it is, it is extensive. I was just like, just screenshot, boom, boom, boom. Mark Ingram entered the portal. Boom. Like, like what, what's going like, we have a full thing and I was so excited. I, I wrote like a little, just a little thread on like the experience and kind of the, the immersiveness of the, of the portal and like some of the things that we decided to do from like the, the experience and just getting people like quote tweeting it and saying like, Oh, like you guys, like you guys did great. Like 
And for the incubator, um, we've delivered on on marketing side of things. We've delivered on tech things, but this was the first time that we had the audience and the stage where our name and our brand was kind of it's time to step up. Like this was a game day for us. This was a, a big moment for us. And I think when we look back on it, this this will be a point where we're like, wow, like that that was a turning point for the good, hopefully. But like this was a stage and we put on a performance uh, as an entire team from the goons, from the from the incubator. And like to see people acknowledging that and being like, you guys did a good job. Like not often do you see at, like acknowledging of good tech, right? Most of the time it's either what the hell just happened? Like you guys, like can the devs do something or it's, <laughs> it's devs are irrelevant but just having um people appreciating the experience and saying wow okay like the goons team killed that like the incubator you guys did a great job like you guys killed that for me i was like i i was just happy i, I was like a kid in a kid i was like this is this is great to see because it's it's the beginning like it's that simple this is the start of it Definitely. At the end, we also got to send our goon through, too. That was dope. <laughs> like, when I sent my goon through... Well, the, the coolest part of sending the goons through is, like... I didn't like one of the goons I sent through. No, I did not. I didn't like it. It was probably one of my least favorite goons. And then when it went through... Damn. Damn. You you just got a glow-up. You just got a wonky a wonky world glow-up. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite parts about it. It's, like, some goons, like... I love them way better when they're, you know, went through the portal. And then there's other ones that like, I have one that I sent through the portal and I think I actually like it as, as it's OG state. And so that's, it's just the unique aspect that, it, that it adds to the collection. No, a hundred percent. It like, there's, it, it just brings a whole new level of value to goons that you didn't think look good, you know, and we, we forget this isn't like, Sean, our, the artist, really handpicking how each of these goons comes out, right? It's a random generator. <laughs> and so random generators aren't going to make everything look beautiful. Um, and so um, Sean, in this uh, case, has the opportunity to kind of revamp, you know, restyle and re make, make these characters come to life even more. And so it's super cool when the technology just facilitates it and, it, and it's not not something people even notice, right? They just were so in, enjoying the experience that the technology just just was there and doing doing its work. <laughs> is there um we're, we're coming up on like an hour here. Is there is there anything that we we might have missed on on this whole launch uh, from value add? Maybe lessons learned. Maybe things going forward. Uh, something that if we were were to do it again, we might we might change. So really anybody listening can kind of, cause there's always places to improve. Uh, what, what we would change if we had to do it again. I know we had a, a retro. So Chris LMNOP, maybe, maybe we'll start there. Yeah. So I think it was sort of like, I think we as a team haven't, we've never worked together. Like we worked together slightly, you know, on some like more less, was pressing launches like maybe a little bit but like this was like a pressing launch so like for us it was like a big part of like we had to get our footing um not only did we have to get our footing like the incubator get their footing but we also had to work with the goons team and i don't think we've ever really worked with like another team that close knit before so i think what we, we as the incubator could have done better it's just been more in 
closer com communication with the goons. Um, just to make sure that we were on the same, like, you know, seeing eye to eye on like the, some of the design stuff. Because um, I, I don't think that that really happened until much later in the process. And I think that could have been, we should have definitely reached out way, much earlier. So that way they, there would have just been less questions and less back and forth about the designs. Yeah, no, it was totally a little bit more waterfall kind of where it's <laughs> yeah. like, here's everything where instead of being more of an iterative process and we, it's not like we, that was intentional by any means. Um, it, it comes down to, yeah, I think we, even the goons team, like this was our first big did like delivery as a, as uh, like a product delivery, digital delivery as a team. And um, yeah, we had to find our rhythm. Right. And, and that's why you see these blue chip NFTs, right? They, they, the teams have been together before they've built things before, you know? And so this, these are key stepping stones to becoming a team that, that can take things to the absolute moon, right? Uh, you have to have these hardened experiences as a group because now the next time when you go and the stakes are even larger, you know, you're going to keep raising the stakes. Now you're even more efficient, more ready to just smash it out of the park. Um, you just keep stacking wins off of your foundation. I, I love I love the sound of that raising the stakes. I, I got a I got a feeling this team's going to be raising the stakes a little bit more in, in the future. I'm I'm bullish. I think everybody listening should be bullish. I think everybody who I'm probably going to share this episode with should be bullish because I'm sure we're going to use this as a marketing tool just to get get a hear of our process because I think there is a lot of valuable insight in this. And there's a lot of talented people here at the rest of the incubator at the goons. And you want to be working with people who are 10 X uh, engineers or 10 X skill sets. And the verbiage that we call in the incubator is assassins. It's uh, it's our version of 10 X people. We want to be working with assassins and the three other people here. I don't know if I'm an assassin, but the three other people here, are assassins a lot of the people in the incubator everybody at the incubator is an assassin um at the goons there's a bunch of assassins and that's just big things are going to happen and i think we're going to reflect on this episode as a a moment uh and it's going to be cool it's going to be cool so if if you got this far and you're like wow those guys have no idea what they're talking about don't share this but if you got this far and you enjoyed it I think you would love to be part of the incubator discord community, which is linked in the description below. We talk about engineering. We talk about building. We talk about preparing for web three and the digital future. So join that. We do this every single Tuesday. This is episode 50 or whatever it is. 50. 50. There it is. <laughs> episode 50. And I think, you would like our other episodes if this is your first time listening. But I'm Austin. We have Piston. We have LMNOP. We have Jesse. As always, everybody, let's keep it moving. We'll see you in Wonky World. Peace. Out. See it. I'm walking around in the circle of life.